0: So, good morning, team. We did want to share with you just a little bit of our story and why we do what we do. Um, in 1994, Dick had a career change, uh, not by choice, and um, decided that the only, one of the few ways to replace a six-figure income was through financial services. So, he sat for the insurance exam, um, <clears throat> passed, and here we are. Um, during that time, he did uh, an internship at a local P&C office to not only learn the business, but to maybe get a little spending money. Uh, and that didn't work so great because p and uh, uh, doesn't bring in a lot of life clients. So we cleaned office buildings, dentist office, doctor's offices for two years. That paid his lead bill, and um, he would meet me at night after he'd been out on the road for three or four hours. Or more, and we would clean those offices until two in the morning because had to have the leads, had to have clients to see in order to build our business. But fast forward 20 years, and four IMOs, and in May of 2017, we landed at Equus. Um, we were pretty happy at our other IMO. We had quite a bit of success. You can all watch our video that is posted um, on the Equus Facebook page. We Life was good, but we didn't feel appreciated. We didn't feel that we were making a difference, and we felt a little bit used, let's just say it that way. And when Barry Clarkson started Equus, we knew after the uh, long-time relationship we'd had with him that we really wanted to, quote, end our career with him. And so come to Equus, we did. Um, It was a great move. However, when, uh, as some of you who have been licensed for a while know, that if you change IMOs, and they have pretty much the same carriers as the other company, you can't write business with those carriers for six months. So uh, the business had all been in Dick's name. He, uh, of course, had been, you know, none of the companies that were the same. Could he write business for six months, which obviously wasn't going to work. And so thankfully in 2006, I had gotten my life license. So we built the entire team under my name under my license, my E&O, so that we could immediately start writing business with Mutual of Omaha, CFG, Forsters, and all of the others. However, you got those few agents like Mr. David Crocker and Marsha Seacrest and a few others who write the Mutual of Omaha Accident Plan. And when they do, that means that I would get bypassed in the hierarchy because I did not have a health license. And so I pretty much made it a New Year's resolution to say, hey, the time has come. I need to do it. I need to study and pass that health exam. And I was pretty much shaken in my shoes. Uh, You know, it's been a long time since I tested, been even longer since I've been out of school. And I'd always heard that it was very hard. And, guys, it was. They weren't lying. It was very hard. But two weeks ago tomorrow, uh, Dick drove me to Richmond. And contrary to how I felt when I clicked the finish button, I was sure I had failed. But, thankfully, she handed me the past paper. And I now have my health license in the state of Virginia, which Makes me very happy, and um, not to mention the fact that I can go into a client's home and write that same awesome mutual of Omaha uh, accident plan to protect uh, a family. So we just wanted to share that with you. I know several of you have asked at at conference why the business was in my name. Uh, you know, I'm just your manager. Dick is your leader, and you know, I've never been out in the field writing business. I uh, hope I don't have to, um, although I would if it was necessary, and am fully licensed to do it. But uh, it's part of the reason I appreciate all of you so much for what you do, and um, if anybody has any comments or questions, reach out to us afterwards. Dick, I know you have a lot to share this morning about the importance of calling from the home. Where do we start? Well, uh,
1: the reason for having to call from home, and I asked the agent permission to use this uh, a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to do this last week, and we just ran out of time. But I had an agent who didn't call me from the home. And uh, so I knew when the appointment was, and shortly thereafter I called, and I says, well, why didn't you call? And and I quote, well, they had a quote from USAA. It was half of what I was quoting, so I
0: knew there was no sale there. And, of course, I – Gasp and, um, you know what's funny, Dick? I gasped too because how many times have you taken that very comment and turned it around? Well, and that's the point that
1: I wanted to, to go with you this morning because, you, you know, guys, this is the gist of what I would have said. Now, I noticed you noticed a post and, or hope you noticed a post in Group Me where Marsha called me yesterday and the client had $20,000 for the coverage but we were able to add 5000 to it. And what had happened is she had explained to the client what was important and what we were trying to help them accomplish, not what we were trying to accomplish, what we were helping them to, to try to accomplish. And uh, she was able to add $5,000 to what they had. Not a big premium, but, guys, it's better than a sharp stick in the eye. And uh, it's the kind of thing that when you are able to help them like that, Uh, One, you've paid for your leads. You've made them feel comfortable, one, in what they've already bought because you're not trying to replace it. They like that, and then you were able to add and better take care of the family. That would not have happened, I don't think. Well, I know it wouldn't have because Marsha made the comment, it was nice to have someone verify and validate what I had said. They heard it from a second person and a person in authority. Now, you know, when you bring us on the phone, and incidentally, I do want to bring that up, when you're in the home, text us 911, and then about 30 to 60 seconds later, call us. And the reason that's so important if I'm checking out of the grocery store I'm doing something in a project and I get a call, sometimes I may not answer it right away because I'm thinking they're just calling to check in, not realizing they're in the home. So it's very important that you do that. That's the protocol to use to make sure that we – because, I mean, I'll step out of a line. I've stepped out of – security line at the airport before to take a 911 call. Uh, so that's important. But back to the USAA situation, um, for those of you that are new and don't know, you know different companies underwrite things differently. And our simplified issue products, guys, are phenomenal when it comes to underwriting. And what most agents don't realize, and, and I had this conversation with a new agent yesterday, some of our agents are purists. I have got to get the best product and the cheapest price for my client. That's what I have to do. Well, let me ask you something. If you give them the best price but it's declined, have you helped your client? No, because many times that client now is in the MIB system, and it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, for them to get insurance. So cheapest is not always the best. The policy you have the highest probability of getting issued is the best. And and that's a mindset change, and and I can't teach it. You can hear it a dozen times. You can hear it a hundred times. You're not going to change your mind until you have to face that wife and tell her, I'm sorry, if your husband dies tomorrow, you're going to lose a house because I tried to get him the cheapest price, and it's my fault. Now, the agent's never going to say it's my fault because they're not going to accept the responsibility for that, but the reality of it, it is. Now, USAA is a great company, but they are extremely difficult in the underwriting process. Now, if you're under 40, not so much. But over 40 USAA guys is in the top three of difficulty in getting policies issued. Uh, Axe and the Hartford are two that are worse. There's a couple more in there that are right neck and neck with them. But understanding that, you know, um, I can't tell you how many times that I knew the person was retired military. And see, I kind of think the way they think because I've been doing it so long, I know how they think. And uh, I'll tell people in the process, I said, now, if if I'm getting resistance and they're not saying, well, we got to think about it, we're going to check with this, you know, I know what they're doing. They've either got a quote from USAA or they're going to get one. So I would say, you know, if you decide not to buy from me, let me give you five companies not to go with. And I always put USAA in the middle. I'll say AXA, the Hartford, USAA, Minnesota Mutual, and Erie. All of them are great companies, but they're brutal in underwriting. Guys, about 70% of the time, if you practice this and you don't fumble through it and you act like you know what you're doing – which is why we do practice things, I can't tell you how many times people said, really, I was going to get a quote from USAA. You know, and of course I act real surprised. But the thing of it is, I live in USAA territory in in Virginia. I mean, we've got military bases all around us here. We've got all kinds of military people retired around us. So I'm dealing with that all the time. So understanding how they think. Now, the nice thing, about that. If the guy would have called me, would have been, I would have gone through just like I did here. Great company, brutal and underwriting, Uh, but once they stick you with a needle, whatever they find is broadcast to every life insurance company in the nation. Now, we can do that. We can stick you with a needle just like USAA does, but the only companies we use for that, where we do blood work if a person's convinced they want to save a few dollars are companies that are much, much, much more relaxed in their underwriting process. So we have a much higher probability of getting approved. might be a couple dollars higher, but if you've got an opportunity to get, say, 60% of the people approved after you stick them with a needle versus 38%, which do you think would be better for you? So listening, now, what happens is, in addition, when you do fully underwritten cases, in addition to doing blood and urine, They also, most of the time, will go back and order medical records, you know. And 11 years ago, this person's father died, you know, his brother was in jail, life was a mess. And they're talking to the doctor and, you know, they're just telling, you know, just life has been so hard. I had these strange thoughts. And they get it all off their chest, some of the things they've been thinking about doing to themselves. They feel better. They walk away, forget it. and and never remember they had that conversation with the doctor. And that, that information, guys, at that point is not in their MIB, not there. However, 11 years later, five years later, three years later, they do a fully underwritten case with blood work, and the insurance company orders some records most of the time. Now that information is revealed, and it is now planted in their MIB forever. So just stop and think about what you're doing with the client when you do that. Getting me on the phone to help explain that makes all the difference in the world, and you've got a better chance of getting a sale on a simplified issue product or at least one of our products that uh, where we do fully underwritten and do the blood work. You know, Um the forest is your term. Oh, and incidentally, if you are in that situation and you are going to quote forest is your term, I always recommend you quote preferred. But, Dick, I don't think they're going to get preferred. It doesn't matter. The quote they have from USAA, from State Farm and Allstate, is always preferred. So if you're going to do that, you might as well compete on the same level that they are. Now, after you get the application, just point out to them, I just want you to know These guys are more relaxed in underwriting than most of the other companies that you're familiar with, which means they might be rated or declined, where here we might get a standard rate instead of preferred, but at least you won't get a decline more than likely.
0: Right, and that's probably going to be once a year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but we're just trying to point out how we play the game, you know. Now, um, the foreclosure protection feature that comes with our product here, that's another thing. You know, if I'm talking to one of your people in the home and I'm going to start ask or not start, I'm going to ask them questions along the line of if they're thinking about USAA or State Farm or Allstate, uh, I'm going to bring up the question and say, let me ask you something. When you get this coverage, is foreclosure protection important to you? and hopefully they're going to look a, a little bit surprised because they don't know what that term means. Well, say five years from now you're diagnosed with stage 3 cancer. You can't work for six months to a year uh, because of your chemo and your treatment. How would you make your mortgage payment if you went six months to 12 months without making, uh, getting a paycheck? Who would pay the light? How are you going to buy groceries? Would that be important to you to have included in your plan? And what am I doing? I'm describing what foreclosure protection is. I'm not telling them it's living benefits. Living benefits are what they are, but it doesn't matter what they are. What they do is what matters to the client. And the other thing of it is, if they are going to go to State Farm, or State or Prudential, or, or um, and, uh, USAA, I want them asking the USAA rep, do you have foreclosure protection on your policy? No, we don't have that. I don't know if they have living benefits. I'm fairly confident they don't, but I'm not taking a chance on it. So these are some of the ways that we can um, close the sale when you're in the house if you will call and talk to us. And, um, but I wanted to go over a, a couple of things here too. We're going to talk about a young couple in just a minute. Um, I had a lot of calls this past weekend about type 2 diabetes with insulin. And um, all the companies look at type 2 diabetes with insulin as type 1, except GPM. Now, if they have neuropathy, GPM is going to be a decline too. But if you've got somebody that's a type 2 diabetic and they're on uh, uh, an insulin and they're A1C, if it's between 7 and 8, you've got a pretty good chance of getting that issued. They're not too concerned as long as it's below 8 But if it's a blow seven, you've got a really good chance of getting that thing issued because it shows that they're well-controlled and they're conscious of what they're doing. However, if they're on gabapentin for neuropathy, then it's going to be a decline. So once you find that out, now we, we automatically start off on a different track. We're not going to try to get them a term product. Now, if they're on gabapentin for back pain, And the majority of the cases I hear with gabapentin, it's usually neuropathy. But find out. If they're on gabapentin, find out what it's used for. Because if it's used for back pain and they're on uh, gabapentin with uh, GPM, they will take that in many cases on a classic one or a classic two. So you've got a chance of getting that issued. Um, If they're on depression medications, you know, and – and it's mild, they're still working, you've got a pretty good chance of getting that place with GPM as well. So these are things that are important for you to know in getting some of your business placed. Now, talking about calling times, you know, that's a a question that's come up a few times in the last week or so. And guys, we don't call when it's convenient for us. We don't run appointments when it's convenient for us. I have had a number of you, when you're setting your appointments, you say, I work when you don't. That is such a great line. And if somebody's putting you off, well, I don't have time, you know, I don't get home, well, I can see at 11 o'clock at night. Suddenly now they have an 8 o'clock open up because the last thing they want to do is see you at 11 o'clock at night or, you know, at 6.30 on Saturday morning. Well, I can see at 6.30 on Saturday morning. Suddenly a 9 or 10 o'clock appointment will open up for you. Now, when do you call? Well, you call when people are home, you know, um, That's the reason you hear on all the calls talking about calling from 8.30 on Saturday morning until. Until when? Until you have the number of appointments you've got you got set. You know, you go through your list, you double dial them. When you get through them, the ones that you didn't send an appointment with, turn the list back over and go back through it again. That's why it's so important to have adequate uh, number of leads to call, which is why when we first start off, we have a number of B and C leads that we work Because they're less expensive, and it gives you the opportunity to have more people to call. There's usually two or three phone numbers on there so that you can double and triple dial all three of them. You might end up with eight or nine dials on one lead three times on Saturday because you called them at 830, 1030, and 1 o'clock before you finally got somebody to answer. So that's why that's important. Now, the second part of that, and this is what I got out of Kobe Bryant's article this morning that Robert sent to us, Kobe Bryant lost four games uh, doing the last shot when he first started his career. And when the fourth game happened that he lost, he got back from the game, went to the local high school gym, and shot and shot and practiced and practiced shooting over and over and over again so that his skill set went up. And it's the same way here. You know, when we have been out and haven't made the sale, that's why we want you counseling with us afterwards to find out what went wrong. What could we have said different? Maybe we've got the sequence of what we're saying reversed, and we're saying the wrong thing at the wrong time rather than the right thing at the right time. So those are things that we can help everybody with, and that will make all the difference in the world for you. So when is a good time to call? You're hearing people saying 8.30 until on Saturday morning. Excuse me, a lot of people will call on Friday evening. And Brandon Hall, top agent in the company, made over $800,000 last year, and he calls from 7.30 until 9 every morning, you know, setting up appointments for that day. So we try to call when the people are there, not when it's convenient for us. And if we don't have a spot where we can do that, we need to find a place, you know, because the clients deserve it.
0: You know, Dick, years ago we used to actually have some agents that would go out in the driveway and sit in their car because they had small children and the time – to call was what they sometimes call the bewitching hour of little kids when you know you 're trying to get them to bed, get them fed, all that, and uh, they just literally go out in the car and use their office uh, have that as their office space
1: well, I can remember running appointments and taking my leads with me Absolutely. and there was one night they had uh, the whole interstate was shut down, hundred and twenty four car pile up on the on i ninety five coming south from d c You couldn't get anywhere. I managed to get to Fredericksburg, ran my first appointment. They weren't home yet. So I went up to the local McDonald's and sat under the streetlight because McDonald's was closed, and I dialed until the next appointment came around. Went out and made a sale that night. You know, so I took it. Don't do that anymore, you know. But I did at the time, because you have to do what you got to do um I did want to deal with younger couples if you're in the house. Some of the things that we go through, you know if I've got a younger couple, I don't come in with both guns blazing about orphan benefits and how great foresters is. I go through the sales presentation as usual, and then when I get resistance, I throw out the benefits of foresters one at a time, and the reason I do that I'll never forget I was sitting there with a couple, he never did tell me what he did. He was an attorney for the Department of Justice. And I figured that out by connecting all the dots, but he never told me what he did. And I'm talking, he's got four kids, $400,000 home 15 years ago, and I'm talking about the college scholarships. And fortunately, about three or four minutes into it, he says, Dick, I don't care about that. I said, really? He goes, no. He said, my parents are wealthy. There's a trust set up. All four of my kids' education is paid for. If they go, all four of them even go to medical school. So he stopped me from making a fool of myself trying to sell something he wasn't interested in. So we need to determine what that is. But so – as we throw out these, these different benefits, and I'm going to go through for you this morning what the orphan benefits are and how they work because I think it's an important thing, especially with – now, Foresters does pay a little less commission on their product, but, guys, if it's the best product for them, let's step over that and move on. Um, you know, if for some reason the parents are involved in an untimely death and who would raise your children, you know, always don't tell them, ask them. If that happened, who would raise your children? Well, my parents or my sister or whoever they say, it doesn't matter. Well, do you think it's fair to ask your parents to put, you know, your three children through college when they're in their 70s? And they just assume mom and dad are going to be, you know, younger people look at their parents as an institution. They're going to be there forever. They've always been here and they're always going to be there. But guys, the reality of that is not true. But stop and think about it. You know, you know, we've got a pretty good income and we could afford to put a couple kids through college if we needed to, but I don't want to. I'd rather if there's a way my kids could take care of this for thirty or fifty dollars a month now, I would rather they do that rather than load this entire burden on me. And we've had that conversation, okay? So, you know, say your parents are gonna raise your kids. Do you think it's fair to ask your kids your parents to put your kids through college when they're in their 60s and 70s? Um, Do you think it's fair if the only way they could put your kids through college is they have to raid their 401K uh, retirement savings to educate your children and then have them retire broke? See, these are stark realities that really will shock, hopefully, if you say it and practice it right, them into that. Well, see, let me ask you this if we could get you qualified for a plan that would actually pay your parents to raise your children in your absence to the tune of $900 a month. Now, for three children, guys, that's $2,700 a month we're going to give your mother to raise your children with. That's 324000 or $32,400 a year just to raise your children. Because And then when they turn 18, each child gets a $6,000 four-year scholarship to go to trade school or to college. Now, in Virginia, and I assume in most states, you can go to community college for $6,000 a year for the first two years so your children's first two years are paid for. Now, when they go to the university, they still get 6000 a year, and as an orphan, they're probably going to qualify for additional scholarships uh, or grants, and they can graduate with co- from college with very little or no debt without using any of your parents' 401K and not leaving them broke in their retirement years. If you could get a plan like that, would that be important to you? Now, what's the difference in what I just said versus what most agents say? The agents get diarrhea of the mouth, and they start telling all these things here without verifying that it's important to the client, like I was doing with the attorney when I first started this story. So these are ways here. Now, you can tell this, but, you know, if you're talking about the Forrester's product and you're brand new, you might give them one benefit, but that's all. Don't go into the rest of it. See, let me check and see if I'm missing something with one of my field underwriters. Now, you already had told me you're going to be on the appointment at 6 o'clock. So you send me at 620 or 630. You send me a 911 text, and then you call me. How many times do you call? Until you get me. Now, we like for you to to put Connie and I in the thread of the text, and if I see it, then I'm going to give you a check mark so Connie knows I'm the one handling it. If she doesn't see a check mark, then she may reach out to you. But these are ways two things happen in this. One, we've got a much higher probability of getting a sale. But more importantly, and I mean this literally, it's more important that you learn something through this than it is you make a sale. So you learn how to present it and then how I close it through some of the questions. We're not always successful. Uh, I had a couple sales this week I was able to get for Daniel. I had three or four that I wasn't able to get. But I guarantee you, he learned a lot you know, in the process of me going through things. So these are the reason it's so important for everybody to give us a call.
0: Um, <clears throat> Dick, one of, another thing that I'm sure you wanted to cover today um, is the importance of the height and weight chart. Um, Now, where do you find those? You find them easily on the ECWIS website at the training center uh, under uh, scripts and I forget the other word, but it's two documents, one for term and one for final expense. And as most of you on this call know, we ask you to print those double-sided because they're very long and have those in plastic sleeves um at your fingertips and David Crocker showed you last week in group me how he has that in his bag but um dick what happens if you don't look at the chart and the upper limit is 250 and your client says they weigh 252 what does that say to an underwriter it says the agent Uh, they
1: say you're you're careless (laughs) because you're not paying attention to what's important here, and it's going to be an automatic decline. Mm -hmm. It goes into their system. It's a decline. Now, every time they buy insurance, they have to explain, yes, I've been declined once. Rather than doing a really good job on the field underwriting side, looking at... See, the height and weight chart, I have just the chart in my pitch book with me, so when I'm setting or figuring a quote, that's the first place I go. Now, remember... If the height and weight chart says you can weigh 250 and they're 249, um, look and see if any of the other companies are a little more forgiving because CFG and uh, AmeriCo will give you another six or eight pounds. And a lot of times the companies are thinking, yeah, if they they weigh 249, they probably weigh 255. So it's probably going to be a decline you know but at least be aware of where the guidelines are and then strategize the case with me okay <laughs>